Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Kevin Healy here and it's Energy Day and there's been a slight readjustment to the program, so to speak. Um, we had promised and we had planned to have Miriam um, Lyon from Mop Up, not Mop Up, from uh, Get Up on uh, Mop Up's group I used to work for, which was sort of bugger up, yes. Uh, it was the anti-smoking lobby. Anyway, um, from Get Up uh, on today to talk about, explain electricity pricing and why we pay so much. But um, she rang me last night to say she's going to be stuck on a bus out between Canberra and Sydney at uh, this hour, and we, we contemplated maybe doing it over a mobile, but then thought that could be awfully risky. Very risky, mm. yeah. So uh, we've put her off till next month. So the second Wednesday next month, she's definitely penned in to come on and talk about those issues. But um, a wonderful replacement, because we are going to talk, we were going to talk anyway, just br- fairly briefly, to Helen Vandenberger, a, a regular, a regular or regular, regular, whichever way you want to look at it, um, about issues to do with Indigenous um, indigenous uh, involvement at Steel Creek uh, and um, well, the Indigenous history it's around Steel Creek, which is which long-term listeners will know that uh, Helen and Co. saved many years ago from being destroyed out. Mm. And um, it's still part of the, the campaign out there. Uh, but Helen's going to come on and talk at greater length about that. And she's also got some other issues that have arisen since that she's quite happy to talk about. And Helen's always happy to talk. So <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> from our point of view. <laughs> so there you are. So that's uh, that's today's program. And up till then, we'll just rave on about the usual stuff. Uh, and it is Energy Day, so I do want to raise a couple of energy issues. I'm going to pour some tea first, though, from our big teapot today, Emma. Um, here we go. Yep. Right, it's big teapot. I just there we are up near the wonderful looking teapot. Yes, oh, oh, it's great. Listeners yeah. out there, it's very large and yes. <laughs> now there you are. That's curvaceous. Very, very regal. It's very regal. Mm. Regal, right? Yes, it is. It's uh, and curvaceous. Would you curvaceous say curvaceous and some regal? Good, beautiful shapes happening there. Yes. Yeah. This is great listening for, for people out there. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> this, is, this is top radio. I tell you that. <laughs> Okay, now listen, one thing this week, the the Ronnie Reagan family got very upset because John Hinckley, the bloke who uh, who fired a few shots and missed it but injured him uh, back oh, in yes. 1981, I think it was, because mm. um, I was, uh, I remember I was overseas at the time and when it happened, um, uh, 35 years ago, since then he's been in, um, he's been locked up either in jail or more particularly in a mental institution, as they call it over there, Department of Mental Health, anyway, a psychiatric uh, place, obviously, uh, for people with psychiatric illnesses. And after 35 years, he's being released. Everyone says he's pretty safe. Now, he didn't murder anyone. I mean, he 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 injured the bloke, mm. um, but he... but. He's done 35 years, and the family says it's too lenient to let him out. Right. 35 right. years. 35 well, how years. long do they want him to stay in for? Well, he was, exactly, yeah. He's 61 now, which means he was, what, 26 or so, 25 or yeah. 26 when um, he went in. When he went in, So he spent all that life, practically all his life, therefore, yep. in an institution. means he's probably going to come out a pretty wrecked bloke anyway. He's not yeah. going to have a great future, I wouldn't think, and he's probably going to, you know, face all sorts of things from the communities. Well, he will. I mean, they don't have a good uh, social security system in America to, no, to help in particular. anyway, 35 years and they're complaining that he's getting out too soon. I would have thought, 
from our point of view, as I said on the week that was last night, the only thing we might argue he deserved 35 years for missing. <laughs> what do you reckon? No comments. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, you're nice. No comment, me. just in case I ever try and get a job with the ABC or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No. But uh, but you're absolutely right. Thirty-five years is a very long time for attempted murder. Um, you know, I mean, people who have succeeded have got out of prison yeah. uh, less than thirty-five less than that, years. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and the fact that it's President Reagan shouldn't really make a lot of difference. Um, then again, in the United States, some of them do 35 years before they execute them. Yeah, well, that's true. Yes. Um, so yes. they do both. Yes, they do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is all very interesting. Now, another, a couple of the stories, you know, the ones we like to, to get on to because they're really important. Yeah. Now, you'll be sorry to hear that at the Caulfield Cup this year, the, the, the Cup, they're going to do fashions on the field in a different way. I know this is particularly for Emma, but I know you, because they have men's ones now as well. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, But um, I know Emma's, you know, was anxious to get out there this year and um, be involved. (laughs) Well, the women are, a couple of the women are really screaming about it. One woman who reckons regularly spends about $5,000 on her outfits is screaming because it's just going to be by photos this year. They think more women will want to join because they won't have to parade and, you know, prance up and down. Um, but it's causing quite a furor, and um, it's pretty awful. And I, I think, you know, for the poor women and the and the the designer labels that like to use these things, it's a bit of a letdown. Now, the 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 the, the club itself says it's doing it so more women can be involved. But it, it is going to be great fun. The fashion stable will include the fashion stakes, runway shows, a bubbly bar, and illustrators to sketch people in their outfits. So, it, you know, it's going to be reasonably good, but. Well, I'm there. Oh, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. I'll yeah. certainly miss seeing them go up and down the um, the cake. What's it called? The thing I walk. What's it called? The catwalk. The catwalk. You're going to call it the cakewalk. Really? Well, <laughs> well no, why not? You know? No, you wouldn't call it a cakewalk because they're not too overweight. Uh, no, no, definitely a catwalk. You're very low fat. Cake. And, and catwalk might mean something to, <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> but another, this is a very sad story now. I won't, now we can't laugh at this one. It doesn't give his age, but I suspect it's not old. But a bloke called. Do you know who Taylor Henderson is, by the way? I don't. Do you know Emma? No. 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 Emma, you're... Oh, my God. Who? All right, you're going to have to fill us in on this Well, it one. says here, pop star. And apparently he got his break on The X Factor, which is a telly show, which probably explains why we'd never heard of him. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I vaguely heard of The X Factor. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's opened up about his first real heartbreak after splitting with girlfriend Meg O'Connor, whoever she mm. is, um, was his girlfriend. She was my girlfriend for four years and we broke up that... And she was my best girl, my first girlfriend. It's weird having that special person there, and now they're a stranger. He's written, he's written a new album about his heartbreak. It's going to be beautiful. Oh. Long four-year relationship. Yes, I've written about heartbreak before, but this was my first real heartbreak. Oh. And it's several oh. songs. And he said that it's going to be tricky singing them live. I reckon she's coming to a couple of the shows. It's going to be weird when I'm looking at her in the crowd. It's very sad, isn't it? Oh. Um, but um, anyway, Taylor. Um, 
giving us advice on heartbreak, which would be worth listening to. Yeah, and um, yeah, well, yeah. but he's got a few things brewing. He he could go onto one of the um, soapy shows, right? Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. And he's doing shows in uh, this. Given this, the Herald Sun write up may well have been a promo for this. He's doing shows in Wangaratta, Bendigo, Geelong, and St Kilda, which shows he's really up there as a pop star. He's doing well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Doing but I well. thought I'd mention that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other one in that same vein, sort of. Double-page spread feature last Friday in the Herald Sun with uh, Sam Dastiari, the Labor senator, the oh, very yes. right-wing ex-New South Wales State President, State Secretary, etc., yes. extremely conservative um, uh, senator, Labor senator, and that is Trials of Red Sam with Sam with a, a Chinese Chairman Mao cap on um, digital Done, of course, but uh, I thought, Jesus, if if, oh. red, if Sam's red, according to the Herald Sun, <laughs> <laughs> they get a bit confused. The Herald Sun problems, yeah. problems, and the yes. other one on this stupid scene. Before I go to something more serious, um, they're getting they got as they do every day. They get stuck into the Labor government in Victoria because yes. the people got it so wrong, and they just won't forgive us. They won't. Um, well, when I I'll use us a bit loosely, there the other people who voted for them. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, that, um, but. Uh, Pallas, the state treasurer, and of course Stockdale was the Kennett treasurer who was involved with all the privatisations, etc. For those mm. who aren't aware, and the headline on the editorial is "Pallas, your nose, Stockdale." And I thought, well, I would think if I was Pallas, I'd take that as great praise. I would take that as massive praise. Massive yes. praise, although in yes. in my opinion, Pallas is no good either. <laughs> but that's beside the point. He he was that's minister right. for roads actually, who was gung ho about building the east west link when he was minister. Oh, is that right? That, mm. that. It's interesting they all switched. They, were, they switched after the election to opposing it, and you know, they, they all keep switching. And they the, do. the mob who don't say don't build it, then when they get into government, decide they'll build it, etc. Yes. It, it, it does yes. the circular thing. I have a sip of tea. Hang on, tea. Yes. Mm. A lesser of two evils. That's the best way of describing this government, I suppose. I suppose. That's, well, that's the best you can do. the best you can do. best you can do. And um, anyone got anything else you want to say, by the way, before I move on to something else? No, you're on a roll. You're yeah, on a yeah, roll. I'm going. on a roll? Okay. Roll. Well, um, helmet-hating cyclists are calling for a review of Victoria's laws requiring they wear head protection. This has been going for a while, and there's a group... Uh, ran in the last election, the cycle group that ran in the elections, part of that group that wants to get rid of helmets. Mm. Um, and um, a bloke from it, um bloke who actually leads it um, is a bloke I've known for years, and he's a nice bloke, but I disagree with him very much on this issue. Um, but he says, we think Australia has gone out on a limb on this one and got it wrong. The, this, the biggest reason people live for not cycling is because, give for not cycling is because they don't feel safe. We would argue that if you were forcing people to wear a helmet, you were creating an image of cycling as a dangerous activity. Mm. Well, it mightn't be dangerous, mm. but if you fall off, it's I kind of get disagree with that. I mean, yeah. It doesn't really make um, much sense, does it? No, I mean, I, well, I, I had an experience here in Smith Street many years ago after a brekkie show. I mm. came off a brekkie show doing with Bill Hartley in those days, and uh, I had a really bad fall getting caught mm. in the... I was avoiding this big whiff of smoke some bloke was blowing out and I went to the right going very quickly mm. and the old thing into the tram lines and mm. bang. Yeah, yeah. And my head smacked into the ground and I felt the word surreals use overused totally, sports people particularly, mm. but there was that sense almost like in space where mm. you felt the helmet take the impact. Oh, really? And I've got no... And once it's done that, you've got to get a new helmet, by the way. Yeah, but, is that right? But you can, yeah, if, you've had a, if you've had a fall with a helmet does that then mm. then it's no use anymore oh, okay but um but yeah uh, and 
so I would have, I'm sure I would have got quite serious injuries and been mm. madder yeah. than I am um, <laughs> if, if I hadn't had a helmet on. Yeah. Since then, mm. I've been a massive advocate for helmets yeah. on bikes. Yeah. And helmets are designed yeah. to actually break, aren't they? Like break apart because it takes the impact. It takes of the, 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 the inside yeah. breaks yeah. up. Yeah, yeah well, I don't know what the modern ones, the, the ones mm. I've got, and I've got the one I've got now is the same as the one I had. Mm. It's the very original ones, but I mean, it, I, you really felt the impact yeah, when you yeah. hit the ground. Mm. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even if it just saves a few lives, it's still worth it, you know. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. Europe, of course, they don't, it's not compulsory. Mm. No. And in, in England, made um, in when I was a child, I cycled everywhere, did all kinds of crazy things on bikes without yeah. a helmet. Um, but I was lucky I didn't didn't need one. I yeah. didn't fall off. But, yeah. you know, I think if we've got a law mm. in place to have helmets, I, I, to say that people wouldn't cycle because they don't want to put a helmet on, I find that... Well, that creates a perception of riding being less safe. Mm, I don't, I don't know, know about that. I don't mm. know. It's like saying wearing mm. a seatbelt creates a perception of driving yeah, a car driving is, is less safe. safe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we disagree with that one, yeah. but um, we uh, let's hope. Well, I'm sure they won't succeed in having the law change, but I I just think helmets are very important. A picture sure. Of them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. We're seeing, uh, we'll have more on this later, because um, I do think we should talk to someone specifically about this subject, but we know there's been in the news the, the redevelopment of Victoria Market. Yes. Now, many of us, I think, see it as you know, the old word icon, but um, certainly I, I love the ambience of Vic mm. Market, and uh, I go there pretty well every week. Uh, and the... I. Th- well, I, I have a feeling it's going to be an overdevelopment in the usual way, and there's mm. going to be this massive residential place next to it, etc., etc. Yes, that's right. And I noticed that Phil Cleary's come out as a as a possible. He said he is now a a, a mayoral candidate, and he wants a much um, much lower scale mm. redevelopment. And I think there are some areas, you know, maybe, but it's already. I don't know whether it's happening because. Be, well, I might argue that it's less popular, but I don't know why. But there's a, there are several rows now in the vegetable stalls in the uh, in the um, Peel Street side that um, rows that just aren't there anymore. I don't know what's happened and why they're there, or whether it's part of some other development that's taking place. But it, but um, I I I fear that the, uh, if you change the ambience of the market, then you change the, it's mm. what it's there for, what, it, what well, it's all about. That's right. And the same is happening at Preston Market. Yeah, I was just about well. to say. Yeah, yeah I heard. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Someone told me that's happened. What, what, what news do you have, Emma, on Preston? Uh, I don't know heaps mm. about it. Okay. Other than it's probably just going to gentrify. Well, it will. Yeah, the area, it will. It will I mean, the, the market traders are against it, yeah, as yeah, far yeah. as I know. Yeah. And most mm. of the public are against it. But mm. that. That doesn't get in the way of the wheels of growth mm. and progress, no. does it? No, um, nothing, nothing and like that. And increasing densities. And increasing densities. 28 mm. storey tower in Preston, which will, I imagine that will be the tallest building in the Preston area. Mm, yeah. I imagine it will probably set a precedent. And um, look, huge areas of Preston and that area are zoned for high density mm. um, because it's the. It's the buzzword, isn't it? We can yes. we can stop suburban sprawl with high density, <laughs> yeah. even though that's uh, an oversimplification of a very complex issue. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a worry that our markets are being uh, gradually gentrified. Yeah. Mm. Well, in fact, uh, the bloke who used to own that site, they're going to redevelop with the. Well, he also wants a supermarket and all sorts of things there. He wants to really get into it and uh, mm. tear it apart. Um, I noticed though when. On the telly the other night when Phil Cleary was um, being interviewed, there was a bloke standing next to him, obviously a bloke supporting him, and um, 
I thought, I know that bloke. Where from? And I kept trying to think, where do I know him from? And it struck me over the weekend. He's one of the. He's actually one of the uh, the blokes in the market, one of the stall holders mm. in the deli section. Um, so uh, uh, if I go, if I have a yarn to him, I might try and get him on to talk about why he opposes it yeah, and what yeah. he says is the problem. That would be that good. Would be really good. That would yeah. be very good. Because so we'll, yeah. we'll I haven't really seen the plans of Victoria Market, but for what I heard, they don't sound good. No, no. And, and on the work front, you'll be pleased to hear that um, the Australian Graduate School of Management, um, because it so admires the work that trained killers do protecting us all by, you know, the having done such a wonderful job bringing democracy to Afghanistan, Iraq, all those places. Um, They've got a new scholarship, $80,000 a year for a veteran or serving member of the Australian Defence Force to do an MBA degree, um, because they get stuck into business, that'd be really good. And it's designed to encourage those who have proudly served our country to undertake a transformative professional experience that will complement their elite training. And as again, as I said on the week that was last night, I think this is this is quite appropriate because you know, in a workplace, what better way to get workers into line than a, a boss walking around with a rifle slung over the shoulder? What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> An automatic rifle at that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. So there. So there we go. So that's. Uh, have you, have you got anything else to, to well, share? I do have. Um, I was going to go on to a couple of issues to do with energy. Oh, yes. Uh, and the um, one that's um, made the... Well, I'll open up with BHP because uh, BHP, uh, with that, uh, that tragedy um, in... Um, that tragedy in Brazil, the, um, the Samarco mm. Dam report. Yes. Um, the... There's several reports coming out, but there's one come out recently that was commissioned by the company themselves. As we know, Samarco's a BHP and Vale um, amalgamation. And um, the the problems, just in part of that report said, the problems began during construction in 2009 when defects in a base drain in the Fundal Dam meant an alternative drainage system had to be built. Modification after modification followed, with each compromising the dam further. A requirement for the water and sticky tailings or slimes to be kept at least 200 metres away from the crest of the dam was not observed, which allowed the slimes to be deposited upon sandy structures where they were not intended to exist. The later realignment of the dam wall in 2012 saw the dam progressively built up where the slimes had been deposited and an ongoing desire to raise the dam wall to allow it to hold more water increased the pressure on the weak spots and allowed liquefaction to occur. Three seismic shocks on the day of the disaster appear to have hastened the dam's inevitable collapse, etc. Now, clearly, they just didn't do anything about problems that were there. Mm. Mm. And that I think there was, we know there was an earlier government report in Brazil that alerted them to all sorts of problems. And yet, since this report came out, BHP has consistently said it had no idea it was going to happen. If it had been warned, it would have known. And it was simply a human error, um, and etc., etc., etc. It's shocking. It's mm. disgraceful. Yeah. What I mean. Yeah. I mean, what's happened in Brazil was just. Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. There's no words and, uh, for it, really. And they'll keep yeah. fighting as much as possible to, to give as little compensation as possible as he pours another tea. You want more tea? I'd there, love right? some more tea. All right. Just pass your cup over, and I'll put something in it. 
there so we has go. Any cleanup happened? Of the, well, the there's sort of a cleanup, but um, not greatly. Yeah. I don't think. Not yeah, greatly. It's, it's going to be very, very difficult to to get it back to what it was. Oh, of course. And, 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 Almost and, yeah, impossible. Yeah, and it just just it right. angers me so much how much these multinationals get away with. Oh. And not only that, the amount of tax they evade as well. Um, mm. Everything really. Well, they, they need the tax to pay for the remediation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yes. What uh, comes around goes around. Mm. The other one that's happened. Um, Actually, mm. just just to finish, mm. I suppose tax evasion is the wrong word because tax evasion gives the impression that it's illegal. But what they're doing is actually legal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's so a good point. I need to yeah. need to emphasize yeah, no, that. The, the word they use is mm. tax minimization. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. They know all the right avenues. They know all the right avenues, and society provides them. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying to someone the other day again that I uh, one I overused, and I'm going to overuse it and do it again. Uh, When Kerry Packer was still alive, uh, a regular one I'd have Kerry saying was, uh, "You know, they say there's only two certainties in life: death and uh, death and uh, death and." uh, Christ, what's the other one? (laughs) (laughs) But there you are. Um, So much for that. Uh, Over in Oklahoma, there was an earthquake last week. Um, People probably did you notice that? There was no, you probably didn't feel it, but there was a. It was in the news. I did hear about there was. Yeah, was that the one that was blamed on fracking? Yes, that's the very one. Um, and um, Matthew Stevens, whom we've quoted a few times, the Financial Review's writer on mining and unions, etc., who hates both. Or he loves one and hates the other. You can take a stab at which is which. <laughs> um, he, uh, he's come out and um, he says, well, uh, the, the trouble is um, Australia has $60 billion of, of liquid natural gas processes that plan to draw on unconventional gas resources across central and southwestern Queensland for the next 20 years. And the evolving earthquake issue will almost certainly be used as a public affairs weapon by those determined to lock the gates on unconventional drilling in Australia. These terrible, terrible... Terrible. Activist has become a... a a pejorative in, in, in these papers now. Activists, environmentalists and activists are now pejoratives. You mm. probably mm. noticed that. Yeah. Um, but then he goes on to say, having said, well, we're going to use it, and, you know, they shouldn't because it's really, you can't, there's no proof that it was caused by the um, the fracking. He says, the numbers suggest the, 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 and this is numbers since they started fracking there, the numbers suggest the issues are getting worse, not better. As recently as 2013, there were just over 100 Oklahoma earthquakes that registered for more on the, three or more on the Richter scale. There were 585 in 2014 and 907 in 2015. Mm. The USCG recorded seven quakes on Friday. There have been 67 over the past week and 2,524 so far this year. But you can't blame fracking. You can't, no. No. Um, In the wake of etc. And he goes on to say... Generations of wastewater have been pumped into the Arbuckle Group, a structure that sits more than two kilometres below the surface and around a kilometre below the producing shales, which are themselves trapped between impervious layers of rock. The point there is that this waste management option has been and is still received as a pretty neat sort of solution because the water is being pressure pumped so deep that the risk of migration to potable, to potable water sources is at worst marginal. Then he goes on to say, though... this. 
that has proved an accurate view. What was not anticipated is that more than 70 years of high-pressure re-injection might risk subterranean instability. So he says it's a great solution, it's good, but it might risk a few thousand earthquakes. Nah, just a small thing, you know. Yeah. At least and, we'll have decent water. And it's so arrogant to think that we can do these hardcore modifications to it is, soil. and It is arrogant. Yeah, and think that nothing's going to happen. How did we survive before fracking? Did we? Did we not? We didn't have any energy, did we? No, we all we just did. lived on little camp stoves and lots yeah. of other things. Yeah, no. I've I've heard that um, the John Butler Trio are going to do a um, awareness concert about fracking in the southwest of the country. Oh yeah, because there's a big campaign building up there now in the southwest, an mm. anti-fracking campaign, oh. and hopefully they'll see the great news here in Victoria. As yeah, yeah. As I'm hoping that's going to provide a lot of encouragement and incentive for people to really push these campaigns out, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great word, though, isn't it? I mean, they, they must regret having called it fracking, the they, industry they itself, because it yes. gives you so many options. I mean, I called on a matter opaque, which it isn't strictly, but that's the nearest you it, can cover yes. it. I mean, it, it, yes. gives, it says what it does, what it says. Yeah, and <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but I mean, that you're right, that the arrogance of people who say, well, we yeah. can just go and treat the earth as we want, yeah. and those who oppose us treating the earth, they're the villains of the peace. Yeah. Uh, and we right. say it time and again that quite literally what they're saying is our profit and investment is far more important than mm. the earth itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's what's happened all the time. It's like I think I really get annoyed when they say, well, if we close Hazelwood or close power stations, we have to compensate the mm. owners. For Christ's sake, they've made fortunes polluting the earth mm. for mm. so long. Fortunes, yeah. And now they're mm. saying the o- we'll stop polluting if you pay us a fortune yeah. to stop polluting. Yeah. I mean, they should stop polluting because they're bloody polluting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah, no, we've got to, we need a complete change in paradigm. There's just too many people who benefit too much from the paradigm staying as it is, and mm. that's that's what we've. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Yeah, it's it's. There was um, a, a letter, an open letter signed by a number of scientists um, oh, yeah, telling Malcolm Turnbull that he needs to do more about climate change, but mm. that didn't get a lot of news coverage. I read one Guardian mm. article about it. Or I think something. it made it into the Guardian, yeah. but mm. certainly should have been should have mm. been front page news in yeah. all the papers. You know, when you know respected scientists who use peer reviewed evidence all sign yeah. a letter saying, "Pull your socks up, this is serious." You you mm. wouldn't think that we're facing a climate emergency. Well, I mean, the pollution minister Friday Icebergs, he was on the. Um, he was on, again, Radio National this morning, and he's on. he regularly comes on, and he keeps explaining to us how cutting back on investment and money for alternatives to fossils is, in fact, pro- progress. We're, we're, really hitting, we're moving ahead rapidly in the renewable energy area because he's cutting back on funding, and it's just good for it. It's so good. <laughs> and he, he, he explains it brilliantly. Ah, yeah. uh, dear. Look, let's take a break because we've raved on far too long here and people must be getting sick of us. Uh, and we'll talk to someone who can make sense and Helen Vanderbilt. Oh, yes. We might play a bit of music All and right. take a break and get Helen on the line. Um, this is a great song called Tonight by Mojo Juju. On the line, Helen Vandenberg, who, um, of course, is a well-known community activist out in the, um, I don't know, the northwestern or whatever suburbs they are out there, um, but a, a regular on this program as well. Helen, um, today you, you, you wanted to come on and talk about some issues to do with the, inherit, the uh, Indigenous heritage at Steel Creek, and perhaps you could just explain for those who haven't been around for a long time the significance of Steel Creek. Well, basically, um, the cultural heritage... There are many cultural heritage sites throughout Victoria. I mean, 
the traditional owners uh, never relinquish sovereignty, never relinquish their land. So um, in our area um, today, we acknowledge Wurundjeri as the, who are the registered Aboriginal parties, the traditional owners of the land. And one of the groups they have is the Narap Rangers team, which is their land management team. Now, as David Wandon so eloquently says, we cannot really manage 120,000 hectares with a crew of seven, mm. well, between three and seven, depending upon how much work there is around. And they really appreciate the work that land care, environment and friends groups do in caring for their country. So um, Port Phillip and Catchment Management, Port Phillip and Western Port Catchment Management Authority are very progressive, um, I hope that's not giving them the death knell or anything, group of people. They have a catchment-wide perspective and they work with all the little groups who are out there passionate about the part of the landscape that they live on and that they wish to care for. And through state government funding and some federal funding, there are different programs that they um, support. Now, Friends of Steel Creek has um, participated in the competitive grants, community grants project um, uh, round of... For two years, we've been successful. And the first year, we put up a fence going down... Um, the shared path that goes down from the top of the escarpment down to Steel Creek. This is south of Buckley Street, between yeah. Buckley Street, Avondale Heights, West Essendon and the Maribyrnong River. Right, I was going to say, you better explain where Steel Creek is, but I think you and, just did in that answer to say where Steel Creek is, yeah. Well, that's the escarpment area that we're restoring, but the Steel Creek actually uh, flows from um, Melbourne Airport. And on the original, uh, on the first geological survey map, it was called Spring Creek, which is a more appropriate name for it because it has a multitude of little springs scattered all along it, which shoot it, which means that it's, you know, groundwater gets to the surface very quickly here because we're on a basalt plain. But anyhow, um, at the confluence of Steel Creek and the Maribyrnong River, um, it's clearly been a very active area for the meeting of Aboriginal people over time, for Wurundjeri over time. There are a variety of deposits scattered through the area and I don't want to go into all of it because some of it we prefer to keep protected through silence um, uh, and to prevent either desecration through ignorance or deliberate action or to prevent vandalism. So um, we w the NARAP team uh, were unjury people and we uh, only... We put up the fence because we had trail bikes and mini bikes, uh, trail bikes and mountain bike riders going off the top of the escarpment, coming down this dramatic slope, and of course caused erosion and was um, it was bringing artifacts to the surface, and it's just not what you want. So basically, with two grants that we've had, we've um, continued the fencing to prevent that happening. But of course, there's a lower bluestone wall, and some people still lift their bikes over that. So. Um, However, we've been planting on that rather steep middle section right across the base of it, so it's kind of going to be pretty impossible, not worth your while to come down that slope. Um, so uh, the first year we could only employ NARAP for six days. Last This year it's been 13 and a half days, and next year we hope our grant would cover 20 days. But basically the biggest threat to our grasslands and our wildflowers in which they grow, 
which grow in the grasslands, are weeds, the introduced weeds. And we've got quite a variety of there. And you can poison them to death and poison the land in the process. Or in our case where, you know, if you, if you dig up one clump of Chilean needle grass, some scientists did it, and they found 15,000 seeds underneath this one clump. So you can see how hard it is to get rid of it. We're taking an approach where we shade out the weeds because experience has found that if you shade out the weeds, deny them the light that they need, mm. the native grasses and plants will come back. Yeah. So we are doing that. We've, we've got rid of boxthorn from the site, African boxthorn, um, and where that grows, we try and put back tree violet because it's got that thorny quality too so that it's a comparable habitat for little birds to take mm-hmm. refuge in. And how, it's how been, are you shading out the weeds? With... We're just planting heaps of plants. Oh, we're putting okay, you're in doing the plant. it with other plants. We're, okay. Yeah, we're restoring yeah. it with the native vegetation yeah. that's gone missing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, on the Western Plains, hardest area outside of our desert areas of Victoria to grow anything, our plants are really resilient, So, um, but they can't compete with weeds. So... Yeah. We've planted heaps of them and we've we've got spot spraying occurring in between them and if we're successful next year we would be continuing, we'd be linking up the two sites that we've been planting from different ends and we'd be joining in the middle and if we can get permission we will go back up to the top and um, plant there. So, um, but David Wandon is on the project team, um, Parks Victoria is on the project project management team and four members of FOSC. So Which we is collaborate Fos- a lot. Sorry, FOSC being? Friends of Steel Creek. Oh, of course, yes. And um, <laughs> we collaborate a lot about what approach to take and where and which plants to put in and what's the best time to do anything. Um, Parks Victoria were very generous this year and gave us uh, 13 days of the Green Army team to work on the site. Um, ne- next year, if we get funding, we'll concentrate on four hectares rather than the whole eight hectares um, with further weed treatment and planting. But the great thing that has happened is that David's, because it's very sensitive a land, and we're not going to recognise all the artefacts even if we come across them, David's team does all the site preparation for us and they do the digging. And also David speaks with the people and has been explaining over the years the impact of colonisation, the impact of smallpox, the impact of uh, and the continuing impact that has led to in in the community. And uh, last time David was sick and his son Darren did a presentation and Darren happened to have a few tool, um, scraping tools with him that day. You could, the excitement amongst the people who come to the planning was palpable. They simply wanted to know more and more and more. That had been the highlight for them. They love putting in the plants... And I said to them at the end, do you want to learn more about Wurundjeri? Yeah, and we want to know about the landscape, the way it was before it mm. got colonised. Mm. So that is a fantastic outcome because it means people are relating to the landscape mm. and that's what we need because if you love your local landscape, you will protect it. Absolutely. If you understand mm. it, you know what to do. Yeah. And Mooney Valley Council have a proactive reconciliation policy too. So um, they're very supportive of us. And so in addition to applying for the, um, 
that grant to do um, to to care better for the site and have cross cultural learnings continuing. Friends of Steel Creek has applied to Mooney Valley Council for a small grant now to get to bring up. And so I said to people, look, would you come to an evening meeting to meet an elder and learn more? Yes, they would. And so we're planning a couple of nights where we have a Wurundjeri elder and then someone who can speak about the plants of the area and what the landscape was and a bit about the Maribyrnong River history. So I don't know if I've got that grant, but I hope so. But the other thing is I attended, as uh, Yoss and I went to the... The CMA not only does projects to small groups, but they have their own projects. And they also run, give you an opportunity to learn and improve your own skills and network with other groups. So I went to the Maribyrnong Catchment Round Table meeting that was held at Romsey about a month ago now. And it was just wonderful to meet all the people who are involved in land care about Romsey along Deep Creek because Deep Creek and Jackson's Creek, they come from different ends of the Macedon Ranges and they flow, they join together at Melbourne Airport and that's when it becomes the Maribyrnong River. So they're our upper catchment. We're down in the abused, polluted um, catchment. So we were all talking about our, our passions and what we're hoping to do and what we're doing and where we want to go. And one of the things that came up was a, a need for all of us to uh, be more aware of what the real pro- the processes for consultation with the relevant registered Aboriginal party when we're working on land and for introducing the RAP to more groups so that they can get more work. Um, so out of that grew an idea um, that we would... Um, and while we had our needs... I said, well, yeah, that's we wanted to put in an application that would give people an understanding of the significant sites we've got. Like we have the Stone Axe Quarry at Mount William um, up near Lansfield. We have the Sunbury Rings, which is hardly known, not even a registered site, but was um, is very important, and David's working to get that site registered. And there are aspects at Lily Street, Brimbank Park and Horseshoe Bend um, on the Maribyrnong. They also have... Um, cultural heritage aspects that we could be learning about. But then we said, well, listen, this is what we want, but what do Wurundjeri want? Because we can't just go and say, you know, you've got a million and one things to do with a small group of people. Is this their priority? Well, two years ago, there'd been a discussion between the CMA and Wurundjeri, and there is a document outlining the traditional owners' aspirations for um, them connecting better with country connecting more with country, I couldn't say better because they're connected anyhow, connecting with country, transmitting that knowledge to younger people and getting a better understanding in the general community. So Friends of Steel Creek has applied for a small grant which is called Building Relationships and hopefully um, it would... um, Macedon Rangers Council has... I just said, listen, we, we love doing this but we find all the booking of events and the graphic artwork you're supposed to produce a real burden. And so Macedon Rangers Shire Council said, well, we'll do that part of it. Hume Council said, we can provide you some community buses to transport people. And I'm going to do some of the project, the liaising work. So we went out and met with um, the Wurundjeri Tribe Consultation Committee and they, they um, offered us a letter of support. And how it will actually work out in detail is yet to be negotiated because there is a need for 
were under to take their young people to visit the sites to transmit the knowledge and then to work out exactly how many times they're prepared or able to um, meet with us and teach us some um, important aspects. But in this process also, there is a really big need for local councils and environment groups to be to be informed as to what the real processes are so we don't have any mix-ups because there was a few this year. Um, and we don't want that happening again in the future. But that's what I like about working with the Port Phillip and Western Port Catchment Management Authority. They're passionate about the landscape and the land and its values, but they're equally passionate about respecting the traditional owners and having them involved in the process to the degree that they want to be involved in it. So it's a, for me, it's the perfect place to be hanging out because it combines my environmental and social justice um, principles that I'm pretty passionate about. So, you know, if you get the social and environmental justice angles right um, and you're really committed to, to making the actions that you can happen, that's a good place for me to be hanging out. It's brilliant. It's great that you can that it's all integrated. You know, when you have yeah. the, the environmental remediation, but it's also creating this this social stuff as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's what we and, need to see more of. And they lead because they 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 can they organise days. And this is just with environment groups, but they are doing the same thing with the people who are on the land, the farmers. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Great. So up in Romp, the Little Riddles Creek land care group, the Ross was a guy I met then, and he's brilliant. He, um, they've got an area that hasn't got any rabbits in it, and they're next to it, and they've got a lot of rabbits. But I mean, there's a little tool that you can, an instrument you can get, <coughs> which means you just walk across the land, and it'll tell you where the burrows are, and give you the GPS coordinates and everything. So they're mapping. What, what I, the other thing I like about the, the CMA is they hold you accountable. Mm. You know, you have to state how many hectares, which weeds, how many plants, and then you've got to report on it. You've got to do yeah. your photo <coughs> your photo story too, before and after. Well, I do before and ongoing and after. Um, <coughs> and they're, they're also you're more inclined, likely to get a grant if you're engaging more and more stakeholders. And one of the things that we're doing next year is um, Mooney Valley held a forum um, in partnership, uh, a partnership forum, and it brought together the council, all the different council departments of Mooney Valley, and all the different community groups. And so on that day, I met up with the YMCA, with uh, Therese Arnott from um, YMCA, and we had said we're short of people with um, strength. You know, we're getting older. And lo and behold, um, Therese has a group, a disability group it's in, with intellectual disability who love gardening and it's an opportunity for them to learn about um, the, uh, the environment at the same time as they can be contributing to um, doing it. So that's another group that we're um, now working with. <coughs> and well, if we don't get the grant, we're, we'll all be out begging for money for, for planting so we can do it anyhow. But, I mean, I don't think we'd find 30000 that easily. Mm. Um, so, and the other thing about the CMA is if you want 30000 you have to contribute 1,000 hours of voluntary labour, of voluntary work, right? Right. Uh, to, to qualify, so, um, or get 
in kind. You can either do it in labour or in money. Well, we don't have any money, so we, we make sure we get the 1,000 hours um, and usually a little bit more. So I like the fact that you've got public money. You're held accountable for it. You mm. say what you're going to do and then you have to deliver it. Yes. Um, I, and it, it's just very positive. Mm. Helen, so it's exciting, and it's quite a contrast to all this telemarine stuff. Helen, I don't mean in um, in content of what you're saying, but on one level, you're sounding a bit like Hillary Clinton. I beg um, your pardon, I haven't got, <laughs> I haven't got pneumonia. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just had whooping cough as a child, and I've got a residual cough. <laughs> I've just coughed myself. Sorry about that, Stopping. everybody. That's all right. Um, Helen, um, you mentioned the Catchment Authority. Um, is it a, a body of, of, of state public service? Or are yes, they are they is. appointed people? Yeah, yeah. Look, oh. there's um, there's um, the big groups out in Frankston, and there's another group in Sunbury, and yeah, they're public servants. Mm. I'm telling you, they are with it. <laughs> you can get you can get. Look, when a bureaucrat is good, they're in the Nugget Coombs tradition. This mob are like that. Well, this is reassuring, and this is. And listen, not every bureaucrat's news. a hopeless case. I find, look, on, on the bottom layers of many bureaucratic institutions, you find the people with vision, passion, commitment and whom you can communicate who communicate well and communicate mm. back. Look, there are even people in Canberra that I've dealt with over the SNN airport and they are, you know, really strong on accountability and transparency. Mm. The fact that the legislation gets in the way of stuff is the issue and mm. that is a political outcome by vested interests. Yes. yes. So you never want to blame the bureaucrat. Check the facts. Really meet a bureaucrat with an open mind. Yeah. If they meet your criteria of transparent and accountable, you have to understand what are the blockers on them. I mean, I've worked as a teacher, so I know what it's like to be captured in an organisation that doesn't reflect all my true values, right? Mm. And you've got to, you've got to work. You, you can't survive off the street. Mm, yeah, very, so very you've got to be very understanding true. of the fact that people can be in an organisation where the legislation is inhibiting them, but it's not the individual. So you mm. want to be very careful about yeah. how you judge the bureaucracy. Absolutely. Oh, indeed, because um, you know, pre- pre- oh. friends, friends of mine who in fact work well, particularly in coastal management type stuff. Um, said that under the previous state government they just sat around with nothing to do because the government just had no plans. Oh. And they're quite excited, despite what the Herald Sun says, they're quite excited at the moment because this government is doing things. And well, not uh, enough, Kevin. I, I had a meeting with my local member just last uh, Friday morning to explain that Lisa Neville, who was at the time the Shadow Minister for the Environment, um, with Lily, who was there as the energy person, um, there was an event at the Wheeler Centre where each party was invited to come and speak to the environment. Guess what? The Liberals didn't turn up. The Greens did. I didn't go to that one. I was sick. And I went to the Labor Party one. And I was thrilled because the Liberals sacked 325 people out of Parks, Victoria. They just about left. They didn't even leave a total skeleton. Now, how can they manage the land? You mm-hmm. look at, 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 at my region where we have a, we have a staff of five they have to look after Brimbank Park, Horseshoe Bend and the Lower Maribyrnong. Now, uh, Brimbank Park's 350 hectares 
and that's a big regional park, so it's got to be open all the time. So if they, if we want to have a community event on the Sunday, they have to put an extra person on, and they haven't got the money to put an extra person on or the extra personnel. They have to put somebody on on that day, and then that person has to take a day off during the week. Mm. Now, sometimes they're also asked to look after Woodlands Historic Homestead, you know, where the horse legends are, mm. um, and they, they can be asked to go and look after mm. um, the organ pipes and mm. close gates there. We used to have a, a, a ranger living in a house out at the organ pipes. I mean, yeah. that's where Yoss and I first started with um, learning about the Western Plains back in 1972. So, you know, Parks Victoria must be put back on its feet. It needs the people. And then you get processes why, by where, well, if you want the money to do the stuff... They have to go to meetings and prove that they've got councils and everybody involved in it. Well, there's a good angle to that. But on the other hand, Parks Victoria needs a budget. They need a budget so they've got enough water tankers so that they can, you know, if you've only got one, you've got to share it out between all the community groups that want to work. You've got to make sure you haven't got a collision of days, don't you? You know, um, it's just ridiculous that they haven't got any a decent budget to do the work that they want to do. They, they want to do the work, so why not give them the money to do it? Mm. You know, and I mean, the Catchment Management Authority can always do with more money, but and I like them because they really they really do account for what they do. They measure, they create targets, they measure, and they report back. Mm. And in what you've told us, there's a lot of lot of events or a lot of things coming up that are going to get quite exciting and more exciting so we'll have to keep in touch on it and uh, keep up to date on the whole thing oh look it's just a wonderful part a, um, thing to be part of and it's sort of it's soothing to the soul because i mean we were supposed to be going to a meeting with talent with clean away tonight we're not going because there was nothing substantial on the mm. agenda so we That's, said we're that, not coming this is the tullamarine toxic waste uh, dump issue of course Tullam, um, with, with them yes yeah. Oh, don't mention Ravenhall, 450 hectares, the biggest dump in the yeah, world yeah. to be operated by CleanAway? Yeah, You've got to be crazy. kidding me. You've got to be. And guess what? We want a global licence that's going to last 30 to 50 years, which means those poor people, if that even goes ahead, this is an issue for direct action. I am mm. really angry, really, yeah. really angry about this. Yeah. We'll We're not going a... to become the dumping ground of the West, and we will take direct action yeah. against it. Good. We're doing a special on that on the fourth Wednesday next month. Emma's been out there and she's done some interviews and things. Yeah. So. Oh. yeah. Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, Helen, Helen, time's up. Um, we we our end. We got in, I think, one and a half questions. It wasn't too bad, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, what you said was very Kevin. interesting. It was very <laughs> no, interesting. No, no, we didn't yeah. want to interrupt her no. in full flight. Yeah, Helen, it was, full it was flight. Good. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. I'm, I'm glad you're doing something that that's good for your soul to balance out all of the frustration you're getting with Tullamarine. Marine. You've got to have that balance of the uplifting stuff as well as the. The, the dogged stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's good. Yeah. Mm. All right, thank Helen. Thank you very much for the opportunity. All right, well, thank, thank you, Helen. Helen. Thank it's you, quite Emma. Thank you, Mark. We'll keep Bye. in touch. Thank Thanks, Helen. Bye. Helen Bannenberg there, who I think anyone listening to that will realise is a wonderful activist and oh, yes. keeps going. Okay, that's today's program. Next week is... Um, Next week is housing. Excellent. And we're going to have Howard on again, who came on a month or so ago to, uh, to from the People for Public Housing, as well as, oh, yes. uh, oh, yeah, as, well as yeah. Housing with Aged Action Group. So um, Great. We'll all that on housing next week. That's about it.